Welcome to One Haas, a podcast devoted to bringing the Haas community closer together through your stories. I'm your host, Sean Lee, and my mission is to help open our eyes to the network we never knew we had. Today, we're joined by Arthur Tong of the EW2020 program. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Arthur, I've known you since we launched. Yes. I think the first day of coming to Haas Mm -hmm. um, back in July, two years ago now, almost. Mm -hmm. Wow, it's almost been two years. Yeah. Arthur, you're also from Southern California. I am, originally. Were you commuting the first semester? No, but uh, so my first semester, when I first got into the program, I was actually living in New York. So I flew out from New York to interview, did all of that from the East Coast, and then I picked up, well, picked up what I had and shipped out of New York when the program began, Mm -hmm. which wasn't a lot. I don't tend to live with a lot of stuff, but I shipped everything down to like home, home down in LA, loaded up the car and drove straight to WeLaunch. So when you met me at WeLaunch, I had my life packed into the trunk of a 98 Corolla. Wow. That's amazing. (laughs) That's uh, that's a story right there. Did you drive? All the way from New York? No, not from New York, no. So you had the car, you flew out here and the other car shipped? No, so I didn't have a car in New York. Oh, okay. I uh, left it with my parents. Oh, so you drove it up from LA then? Yeah. I see. That's cool. That's uh, That sounds like when I moved from Michigan to LA, I just packed up my trunk and <laughs> that was my life. Nice. <laughs> Let's take a step back in time and talk to us a little bit about how your career started. Sure. So if you, I guess if you want to talk about early stages of my career, so... I went to Cal State Long Beach, did my undergrad there. I jumped around majors for a while. For a very brief period of time, it was accounting and decided that I hated it. Got into international business and I didn't feel like there was much of a network or foundation to explore that much further than a few courses at the school. And then, of course, I found my way to marketing, which I feel like a lot of people end up doing that, especially in uh, especially in SoCal, because there's this big presence of creatives and entertainment industry. So like a college kid with a lot of energy, I focused my efforts on getting into the entertainment industry. I interned at NBC for a while. And so that was really the early part uh, of my career from that. And this is just a quick backstory, but from that, once I graduated working in entertainment and marketing for a little while, decided that I wanted to switch out of it, ended up making a very hard pivot into accounting. (laughs) Again, got my (laughs) CPA. Worked from a international uh, financial analyst position at Skechers to a small accounting firm, and then to PwC. It was with PwC that I transferred out to New York, and then here I am back at Haas. <laughs> so, I mean, what brought you to Haas? What brought me to Haas? Well, it was time for another pivot. Mm-hmm. I was looking at you know where I was in my career, what I wanted out of not just career but you know life in general, mm-hmm. and I looked around my environment to see if I could find those things that I wanted from where I was, right? And when you're in a very structured career path, like public accounting is, you, the the benchmarks you use are really the people around you, the people above you, and the clients that you serve. Right. I kind of decided that I didn't necessarily want that for myself, right? And nothing wrong with, you know, being a controller or being a partner of an accounting firm, but I, I felt like I enjoyed being curious about more things than that. Hmm. Or, you know, relegating all my problem solving to an existing gap framework. I like to think that the world's more interesting than that. And there are still unexplored corners. And so I felt like going to business school was going to be a 
a much better way of kind of expanding beyond that. Mm-hmm. And Haas specifically, because I felt like Haas hadn't really been benchmarked into a specific practice like some other schools had. Not to say that other schools aren't great too and have great programs, but I did feel like there was a more, generalist isn't the right word, but you had more of a choose-your-own-adventure kind of environment here. Right. So. I think that's definitely true. <laughs> the way you put that, I think that's the, the, the best way I've heard it so far. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Haas does have that flexibility, right? That freedom. Yeah. And they do encourage, I mean, Haas, uh, I feel like as a school, does encourage you to really explore other areas while you're here. Right. And the part-time program definitely encourages that, you know, being a three-year program and all. Oh, yeah. You have the the breathing space. Right. So, coming into school, was there anything that you kind of latched on to initially? When we met at We Launched, the very first thing that I latched on to was actually design thinking. So, we have a professor, Clark Kellogg, who came out and spoke for about 30 minutes on the design thinking program. And prior to Haas, I'd had some introduction to design thinking. My sister's actually an engineer, mm-hmm. and she, for some time, had you know, would be sending me articles or readings about design thinking and, you know, basically her thoughts as an engineer and how, not that she's telling me they're fundamentally different from somebody who's an accountant, but, right, I understand that the world that she sees is different from the world that I see. Right. Right. And so I started becoming fascinated with this idea that, you know, you could see the same world in different ways. And so I actually wasn't too familiar with Berkeley having that deep of a uh, design thinking program. Mm -hmm. But the moment Clark came out and started speaking, the first thing I thought was, you know, before this weekend's over, I need to approach this guy. I want to learn more about this and I want to be involved. Right. You know, as a layman, I have to first ask you, what is design thinking? (laughs) So design thinking is, it's essentially an approach to problem solving. And it draws from disciplines typically used in design, architecture, that involve human-centered design. So in your classic business, like business school models, right? You typically take what is the most similar recognizable scenario and apply that wisdom to whatever the new problem you're looking at. Design thinking is the opposite approach where, okay, let's get deep into this environment, understand its players, its circumstance. You know, this, this concept of empathy comes up very frequently, which is, Let's go in and not make any assumptions about what that world looks like. Even though we have experience and things that might be similar, we're going to pretend to learn from day one and start building our solutions from there. I see. And, and how long has this kind of methodology been, been around? I mean, arguably forever, but I mean, I think Stanford really started making headways I want to say in the 90s, one of the founders of IDEO, Design Consultancy, pioneered the, the D school over at Stanford's mm. uh, school for D for design. Design school. Right? But I mean, they draw from the different practices at Stanford. So school of engineering, school of business, medical students, they, they all participate. So my sister was actually a student of the D school. I see. And that's, I think, where it really started becoming a little more formalized. But the idea of, you know, problem solving starting from the the point of pain, right? That's not a new idea, though I don't think it was really given as much attention before, especially not in business. Right. So tell us a little bit about this this big. I know this is something that you participated in your first semester, right? Uh, yeah. There's there's so many things going on <laughs> at Haas that 
I, I found a little too late myself. Would have loved to have been a part of it. But <laughs> to that point, I don't even know that much about it myself sure. afterwards. I mean, so BIG is the Berkeley Innovation Group. It's a design consultancy founded by Clark Kellogg. And so the project that I worked with them on back in you know, our first semester was we were really leading design thinking workshops for Recology, which is a waste management company up here in the Bay Area. They also have other offices up in Seattle, out in Portland, Sacramento. So we would visit these sites and host these workshops with everybody from operators up to senior management, directors, executives. Uh, and you would take them through the process of you know, identifying orthodoxies in their industry, hypothesizing about potential solutions, mm-hmm. deriving insights. You know, the design thinking process goes through this whole divergence-convergence iteration. Right? Okay. You do that several times, and then you may land on many solutions. You may land on a few that you find are most relevant. I see. Right? And so we were helping guide them through the process. Because one of the things that is important to realize is also that you know, I don't have a background in waste management, but uh, we could guide people through this process who are experts in their own field. Right. And help them come to conclusions or come to solutions that they otherwise wouldn't have identified. That's fascinating. And I say that because, you know, not just as an entrepreneur, but just as a business person, there are many times I get stuck. Even though I know I've read so many books, I know what I should be doing. I know my, I know entrepreneurship very well, the lean startup process and the frameworks, but it's just sometimes being an insider you get tunnel visioned and you kind of lose perspective and, and having someone else come in even without, you know, prior knowledge, they're able to give much more, you know, pointed advice. Right. Right. Um, yeah. So, I think there's a story at Netflix where, so Netflix, among the things that they're famous for was launching all episodes of a TV show all at once. Right. As opposed to this episodic format of every week or every month, right. Releasing a new episode. I believe the story behind that was they were giving a presentation and you know, it was about releasing content at you know, tiered intervals and somebody raised their hand and said, why does it work that way? Hmm. And, and the answer was, well, the industry does X, Y, Z and that's how we've been doing it. And the response was, well, that's stupid, right? Because intuitively, like, that's something that you would only do if you're already in the industry, right? right? So being an outsider is valuable in that sense. You can call out those things that just... You didn't need to have all this context for it because a lot of the context is sometimes just noise. Right. Right. And so I, I think that's where having an outside perspective is incredibly valuable and it, it grounds you, right? It reminds you like, oh, we've been so off the mark for so long. Um, yeah, sometimes you just need a reality check. Right. I, I do notice that you had a stint at Netflix as well. I did. While, uh, while at school. I did. Uh, it was a short stint. It was six months. So... It was kind of serendipitous. So right when that project was ending with, with Big, I got contacted by a recruiter and they, it was a temporary gig. They needed somebody to help them transition a team from Silicon Valley down to their LA office. Mm. So this was a position doing deal review for licensed content. And so much of that job was reviewing deals that were executed, reviewing deals that have already been executed and need to be implemented and making sure that they're implemented correctly. Mm. Right. And so that draws together people from different departments, people with a finance background, people with a legal background, people with an operational background. Mine specifically was spoke to the financial aspect of that. Okay. So half of that was the operation, half of that was helping them transition this team down south. But having had my experience in the entertainment industry, mm-hmm. oh, and I should mention, so the way that I 
got that job or why I was, you know, identified for it was because in the time horizon they had, they needed somebody with the finance background, somebody who was familiar with with contracts, right, and somebody who had had you know some experience in entertainment, but they wouldn't have to train on these things. And somehow I just happened to have that background and landed in the Bay Area. So it was kind of serendipitous. That said, you know, I was kind of reluctant about getting back into the entertainment industry. Mm-hmm. I actually initially declined that offer, but at the same time, it was it's still it was a reluctant, reluctant decision. Right. I still have respect for Netflix. In fact, uh, I would happily go back to Netflix, but you know, I did pivot out of the entertainment industry for a reason, hmm. right? And so at the end of that six-month period, I had the option to transition down to LA with them, you know, and grow with the company, grow with that department. But truth is, my heart wasn't interested in going back to the entertainment industry. I see. So, I mean, you've been here at Haas for, you know, a little over a year and a half now. Mm-hmm. I do have to ask, where have you found where your heart is? I think I've gotten much closer. <laughs> so I still do a lot of personal research on business strategy and behavioral economics. Those are two things that I find that I am happy to study and exert my efforts on my own. Mm-hmm. Right. And In so, any part, you know, particular industry? Not industry. I find that I'm industry agnostic. Like, I know people come in, oh, I love healthcare. I love, you know, asset management. I find that I am far more passionate about consumer facing services or goods. Okay. Right. Uh, that doesn't necessarily mean that B2B is out of the question. I think that Slack is a fascinating company because they still, in their B2B model, consider the human experience. Right. Right. And that I find to be really important. But that bias does lean towards consumer-facing products and experiences. So, Excluding media. <laughs> not, not necessarily, actually. Remember, so my, um, my, I think, frustration had to do with the industry altogether, but not necessarily with the final product. Okay. So like out here in the Bay Area, there's a great company called Masterclass, mm-hmm. right? They make, they make content. They are, I think they think of themselves as, a, as an education company. Yeah. Are, are you familiar with Masterclass? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. yeah well, so, I guess for our listeners who are not familiar with Masterclass, I want sure. you to tell so us a little Masterclass bit. is this online platform where there are teachers who are masters of their craft. So Gordon Ramsay, Thomas Keller teaching cooking, the class that actually got me interested was Steve Martin teaching comedy, Paul Krugman teaching economics, right? These are people who have, they have excelled, they have insight into their own practice and see things in a very specific way. Dad Mouse teaching music production, sound design. Yes. Yeah, no, there's great stuff on there. But I mean, I think that they've found a way of introducing education with an entertainment aspect of it, right? right? Because so um, the CEO, David Rogier, came to campus actually last week, and it was interesting hearing him talk. But one of the things he pointed out that I find to be very true was everybody loves learning. Mm -hmm. Everybody loves knowing things, but people hate being educated, Mm. right? And so if you can introduce, if you can mix education, if you can make something entertaining, right, that is not typically pleasant, I think that that's a huge uh, value add. And that doesn't necessarily mean the entertainment industry, right? Or right. media, right? It's rethinking how you provide any service. There's value in entertainment. Right. It was just the practice of the industry down there that I was, I felt Big fan of. <laughs> yeah. There, there's, there's plenty of stories about that online. I don't know if you need mine, but. <laughs> right. That's, uh, no, that, that's, that's interesting. So Arthur, what are you thinking about, you know, your last year and a half, I guess, at Haas? What are you, what are you thinking that you'll do with this time? 
I am actively trying to find my way into a business strategy or product-facing role mm-hmm. uh, with a company that develops products. Right. Would it be in the Bay Area or does it, does it matter? It didn't used to. I just personally find that I like the Bay Area and Seattle. Okay. So I would like to stay. Right. But I do think that you know, when, you, when you're in the search for meaningful work, right, trying to build a future for yourself, is that necessarily the most important thing? No. I do think that the, the opportunities that I'm interested in tend to be in the Bay Area. But I don't think that's a limiting factor unto itself. Can you speak a little bit about how the resources at Haas have helped you along this journey? I know you may not have exactly pinpointed what you're looking for yet, mm-hmm. but you know, so far, mm-hmm. I'll have the resources at Haas helped. That at berkeley.edu email goes a long way. Hmm. If I were to use my Gmail right email address and just cold email people or reach out my... In fact, I used to. Uh, yeah, the success rate is significantly lower. Right. I think people are a lot more... Not forgiving. People are actually interested in talking to Cal students. I mean, Cal has a reputation. Um, and I find myself very, very grateful to now be among them. But, you know, we go to school with some of the most fascinating people that I've ever met, studying across a vast array of different subject matters, mm-hmm. right? I stumbled in on the Center for Latin American Studies last week. Mm-hmm. We have a visiting professor who is the former mayor of Medellin right. and former governor of that province, and he was a presidential candidate, right? Like, these are the minds that Cal attracts. Right. So being associated with that name is wildly helpful. What about the resources on campus? On campus? So I feel like all the best resources are actually really informal. Hmm. I mean, we have formal resources through CMG. They put together great events, great networking sessions. Some of their workshops on leadership and like telling your story, those are really helpful. Mm -hmm. But me personally, I think, and this maybe doesn't speak to what resources are truly more or less valuable. I think it's just kind of how I operate. I tend to operate, I think, in more informal terms. Right. What do you mean by that? I am more likely to engage somebody in conversation at a bar than have a very structured form. Hey, let's meet at nine o'clock tonight and have a 30-minute discussion on X, Y, Z. And like, that's not usually how I operate. Right, right. So having that openness to be able to just walk into a room, meet people, say hi, Having an environment that accommodates that, it's beneficial to me. Right. What are some of your favorite clubs here on campus? I know you're pretty involved at school. and uh, every time I, I every love time the I, improv club. Every time I talk to you, you uh, <laughs> seem to know a lot of students. That's perception different from reality. Um, <laughs> but improv club, I think, is awesome. I, I actually wish that's something that more MBAs would get involved in. Mm-hmm. I mean, and I, I think that improv is... Oh, and... Just to completely answer your question, so improv club, I was doing a consulting club, and then I signed up for finance club, but I don't actually go to the meetings. I just kind of get the emails and see what resources are available. Right. (laughs) But improv is something that I actually wish more people would get involved in, not for my sake, but I think that the toolkits that you learn from improv are incredibly valuable for any profession, especially business. Right. Right. And it's not necessarily to be associated with comedy, even though some great comedians come from improv backgrounds. Mm. But if you're going to talk about walking into a space where you don't have all the answers or you don't know all the people, improv is, 
you know, having that courage, that permission, and some sense of the tools that you have to navigate the unknown. Hmm. And if we're all going into business, really isn't that what we're doing? Exactly. Yeah. So pre pre Haas, long time ago, I was back in my undergrad. I was on a dance team, right? right? And you you would have these debates about you know what's better, choreography or freestyling, right? Same general idea applies. You can only choreograph so much or account for so many things before you realize that you know what some of this you kind of have to wing it. Yeah. And it's a skill that you need to have when you need it. I think in the business world, that's absolutely valuable. Yeah. Yeah. One of the best pieces that I, of advice that I got was, you know, going into a meeting nervous, somebody pointed to the meeting room and said, nobody in there knows the right answer either. <laughs> right. So to some degree, we're all freestyling. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, on the topic mm-hmm. of advice, do you have any advice for incoming students or prospective students? The best piece of advice that I could give, especially for this context, going to business school, going to Haas specifically, you will have resources for your career and to develop your network and all that. But more than anything, treat this like a personal journey. I think that this would be a wasted opportunity if you were to walk out the same person you walked in. Oh, that's really good. All right. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Arthur. Yeah, no problem. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in today. My aim is to bring the Haas community closer together through your stories. We're always looking for Haasies willing to share their stories and experiences so that we can give you more insights into the different programs, different careers, and ultimately different perspectives. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Please feel free to email me for suggestions on how I can improve this podcast, or if you have any recommendations on people or content you'd like to hear. My email is reachshawn at berkeley.edu. That's spelled R-E-A-C-H-S-E-A-N at berkeley.edu. 